0: This week on the podcast, talking with Charity Miles about podcasts and apps and analytics. Oh, my. This is Using the Whole Whale, a podcast that brings you stories of data and technology in the nonprofit world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. This week on the podcast, we uh, we are interviewing Gene, and he is the founder of Charity Miles. He's been on the podcast before. There's very few people that we uh, we invite back, and his uh, his growth is awesome. His mindset is one that I really want you to listen to because he now knows he's in it for the long term. He is paying attention to those key metrics that he knows he needs to move with regard to retention, and he cares. It's Clear he cares. He spends uh so much time focusing on his community, and so much so that he created a podcast to talk to them. We have a fun back and forth about podcasts, about analytics, and uh, I learned something and was inspired. So hopefully, uh hopefully you are too. Hope you enjoy this one. I'm here with an old friend, Gene Gurkoff, Charity Miles. How's it going, man?
1: I'm doing good, George. How are you doing?
0: Well, I uh, I'm excited to have you on because uh, you're the founder of Charity Miles, which is an amazing app, which I'll let you talk about and remind our audience because you've been on before. Uh, but you're doing some really smart things with podcasting too, and you know, just frankly, uh, make sure you say how long you've been in the game because I think there's a there's a certain elite club of people that have uh, survived and thrived building an app. So why don't you give us like a top down? What is Charity Miles, and what are you all doing?
1: So, uh, Charity Miles is an app that allows people to earn money for charity when they walk, run, or bike. We have indeed been in the game for a long time, and I cannot believe it's been as long as it has. And you, George, are the first person that I told about Charity Miles um, when I had the idea. So, you know, you were instrumental in giving me feedback from the very beginning. And um, it's hard hard to believe that we've made it this long.
0: Yeah, it's like over five years, is it?
1: Well seven years really since, you know, we've Um, launched in 2012 and then actually even almost eight years from when I had the idea and I told you about it originally. So, you know, from the root to the fruit.
0: Uh, And it's, it is a great app. Uh, Can you give us some top line metrics on impact and miles uh, that, that the apps generated?
1: So we have about 250,000 monthly active members using the app. Uh, We've had over 2 million people. Over our history, uh, who've downloaded it, uh, we've earned over two and a half million dollars for charity, and um, we just keep growing little by little every day.
0: And how do the the mechanics of it? How are you ra- actually raising money for for charities through it? If people are just marching around with with an app and logging miles,
1: uh, that's a really good question. So at the moment, um, we are entirely supported by corporate sponsors who are essentially paying us to sponsor the app because they want to have a connection with us and our members. So it's kind of like a marketing and an advertising play for them. And, of course, they're companies that want to do good, and we give them a way to do good with their marketing budget. And then that money goes into a sponsorship pool, which is divided proportionately in proportion to the miles done for each charity on an annual basis. So if a charity gets X percent of the miles in a year, they get X percent of the sponsorship pool. Uh, we've got some things that we are changing about that now, so that we can have a much bigger impact. But that's kind of the way that we've been working for the past, you know, six or seven years now.
0: Nice, and it seems to be a model that at least has gotten you uh, a long way. Frankly, making it that long as an app is a real milestone. Very impressive, having a quarter million monthly active users. And I want to just sort of go into a little bit on, on those metrics uh, and the difference that, you know, you see between when you're measuring your, your app metrics versus your website or even your podcast. What are the sort of biggest differences uh, when you're looking at these metrics, let's say, between your website and your app?
1: Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. So I, <laughs> I don't really look at the metrics on my website so much. Um, as you might've been able to tell, because yesterday it went down and I didn't even know until you told me. Uh, (laughs) I love Eugene. Um, but you know, really with regards to the app, like the one thing that I'm focused on is retention and, you know, which is the extent to which people come back. And that is a really, really, really hard thing. So I don't really even focus on the number of downloads. Um, although of course, you know, that's important, but the number one thing is retention. And that's like the measure of how much people like your app. If they're not coming back then they don't like it, they're not using it. And you don't know if you're doing anything right. Well, you know you're doing something not right if they're not coming back and using it. So what are the things that you're doing that can really, you know, deliver that aha moment in the first time that they open the app, which, you know, gives them that click in their in their mind that makes them think, wow, this is an app that I want to keep using over and over and over again.
0: And I'm glad you brought up this idea of retention because it is uniquely different, I feel, than websites, which frankly, uh, if somebody comes once, does a, a certain activity like giving you an email or giving uh, giving a donation, Like, it's not the worst thing if they don't come back for six months. Right. It is the worst thing if you're trying to build monthly active, daily active, behavioral usage of your app because... If they're not using it, they probably deleted it, right?
1: Um, they might not have deleted it. People leave apps on their phone for, I mean, there's like a whole bunch of apps on my phone that I just got rid of that I didn't even remember were still there. I did like a whole Marie Kondo thing on my phone to clean out all the other uh, apps that I haven't been using. But, um, you know, either, even if they don't delete it from their phone, if they're not using it, they're not using it. And if they're not using it, then they're not, you know, making the impact that we want to be making. So, um, but it's a totally different game. You're right. than a website. I mean, a website for the most part is informational, you know, they come to get information and, you know, unless there's a reason for them to continue coming back to get more information from your website, then, um, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to think about retention.
0: So, what are the biggest drivers on your side for that retention number? How are you chasing that?
1: Um, that's a that could be like another four or five podcasts. But <laughs> the the number one thing I think is in the first. If you were to draw a retention curve, and I'm not sure if this will come through verbally through a podcast, but it would look like a ski slope. You know, it gets really steep, like the first day is where you lose with most people. And then it's kind of slowly curve. It's like a reverse hockey stick. And then it kind of slowly curves and hopefully will flatten out. And so the two things that you want to focus on are um, what they call bending the curve so that it's not dropping off as much on the first day. And that's an issue of onboarding so that when people first download the app, they get that aha moment. And then, The second thing is flattening out the curve so that it ultimately flattens out and that your cohorts stack on top of each other instead of having a leaky bucket. Because if, you know, it's still slightly um, dropping off and uh, losing people month over month, then all the new downloads you have coming in won't grow on top of each other. That both of those things are really hard to do. Um, And can't necessarily say specifically one thing that we have done that has made an impact on either because we've done so much that I can't really point to which is the thing that we've done that's made the biggest impact but you know we're continuing to iterate all the time taking in new feedback from our members you know seeing how they stumble in the onboarding and then ultimately thinking about you know what it is it they want from the app that we can deliver better on
0: yeah and it seems less about the individual tactics and more about the process. I love the language you're, you're talking about, about day one and bending uh, bending this curve. So it asymptotically approaches a, a flattening state. So you're building rather than losing uh, because that's why, you know, frankly, you can care less about the downloads because early days everyone's like, oh, download, 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 worry about yeah worry about retention later, and you're like, well, I'm going to be at this for a long time. I need to make sure, like you said, uh, we're keeping people, keeping people happy. And it's interesting focusing on that day one. It's not what I've thought. I would have thought it was, you know, nurturing people after the, you know, 15, 30-day drop-off. But, you know, most apps, on average, in the store, uh, we're talking about probably – 80% of people using it once and then never again. So, like, immediately Mm -hmm. you have to attack that trend and have that first impression, it seems.
1: Yep. And, you know, I would say to kind of maybe circle back and take a counterpoint to the way that we started down this road, um, I think this is important for websites, too. And maybe websites don't think enough about this because if you have somebody – that's coming to your, and you know, all you have is a website. If you're a charity and you've got a website that has, you know, a place where people can make a donation or where they can learn more and you actually have somebody that's going to your website, it means that they're interested in what you do. And it's an opportunity to create a relationship with them. And so the fact that they're going to kind of come there, have this moment in time with you and then never come back is is a shame and is a huge missed opportunity. And so, even without an app, and I would say the app is like the last thing you should do, what are the things that you can do to build more of an ongoing relationship with those people so that they want to keep coming back to your website, so that there is something new for them to expect there on an ongoing basis, so that they do want to sign up for your newsletter and open it, because that in itself is a a retention type relationship where you're continuing to have engagement and conversation with them. They're not going to donate to you every day, but donating is only, you know, one of the things in a relationship that you would want with your stakeholders. So, you know, the fact that you've got someone coming to your website is a miracle and you want to make the most of that opportunity in that relationship.
0: So using retention as a proxy for that relationship health. And what's interesting inside of Google Analytics is it gives you a past two-year uh, view of that cookie saying, has this, uh, traffic over the past month returned or has it been returning from somebody who hit your site in the past two years? So you have a longer, uh, view of this, which is interesting. Right. And
1: you, you probably have a better understanding of, you definitely have a better understanding of this than I do, but th- that relationship, that retention doesn't just have to happen on your website. It could happen, you know, do those people join your Facebook group, Are you able to, do they follow you on Instagram? Do they sign up for your newsletter? There's all these other ways where you can kind of keep that conversation with them going over the long term that don't necessarily entail them coming to your website every day. But keeping that relationship going is a matter of retention and ultimately will affect the extent to which they do the other actions that your organization wants them to do, whether it's donating or advocating or doing anything else. Hi, this is Mark Arivna from The Nonprofit Times. You might remember me from such stories as the NPT 100 or the best nonprofits to work for. If you haven't heard, The Nonprofit Times has its own podcast. It's called Fresh Research. Each month we talk to the authors of great fresh research about the nonprofit sector. Check it out on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find it at thenonprofittimes.com backslash fresh research, or join the conversation on Twitter with the hashtag Fresh Research.
0: I'm glad we're on the topic of of relationships uh, because, you know, you are paying attention to it. And, you know, you went from creating an app, which I think is probably the hardest, most expensive way to, you know, build, foster, generate a community uh, there is, aside from maybe a podcast. And you went around and you made a podcast, which is also incredibly hard to, uh, you know, retain listeners and build an audience on. Mm -hmm. So can you – like, what is going through your head? You keep challenging yourself or you saw an opportunity. Why did you create a podcast to support an app?
1: Um, we, we just started to think about Charity Miles as more than an app, but as a community. And that community had a lot of different touch points, whether it was, you know, people using the app and engaging in the app to the way that we are able to have conversations with them on Facebook and our Facebook group to having a group on Strava to having you know a newsletter where we engage people and you know people actually reply to me and I write back uh, in our newsletter. So it's not even as much of a newsletter; it's just like emailing with your friends. Um, and I thought that you know I listened to podcasts and I like podcasts and I thought it was really interesting. And I also thought it made a lot of sense for our community because you know people will listen to a podcast when they go out for a run or go out for a walk, and I thought that that was really cool because you don't need, you know, part of our mission is to get people to be more active and you don't need to be sitting on your couch watching Netflix to be entertained. So the idea that you can go out and be entertained while you're walking was something that I liked a lot. So the idea that we could create this podcast where I record all of the podcasts on a walk or a run with someone special and then invite the listeners to walk or run with us was the idea. And whether we get like millions of users or millions of listeners or thousands of listeners, um, it's really going to be for those those people who want to go the extra mile, and that's why we call the podcast the extra mile.
0: There you go, shameless plug. Here we go, the we go. extra mile podcast. Go find it in an iTunes <laughs> or Google Play store near you. Yep. Can you give us some some top line numbers? You know how many you know how many years, how many episodes, about how many downloads? Like, what is the activity? On this thing?
1: Um, it's been about two years with the podcast, I think. And, well, yeah, it'll be about two years because I'm going, I started, did some of my first episodes up at the Boston Marathon two years ago. And I'm going back up to the Boston Marathon next week. So it'll be about two years. And um, I don't know how many episodes we have. I could probably find that out. But you're more the analytical guy than I am, um, and as far as downloads, that is, we usually get like a few thousand downloads per episode.
0: That's awesome. So and it's, it's seems not like, like you're coming out not, like every. It's not like yeah.
1: hundreds of thousands or anything like that, but we get thousands per episode, and um, we're trying to be a lot more consistent with it. For a long time, I wasn't consistent with it, but now I'm trying to come out on like a weekly schedule. Wish should help, and we just put. Oh, this is the coolest part. I'm trying to make it like sound kind of professional, and so we got like <laughs> we got like an intro music done to it. So last week's uh, I did an interview or a podcast with Des Linden, who won the Boston Marathon last year, and I that's the first episode that we have with our intro music, and so it actually sounds like a legit podcast now. <laughs>
0: Just brutally honest, okay. um, you should know you have over 180 episodes, and doing it weekly is a is a real a uh, real We definitely push.
1: don't have over 180 episodes. See, you don't think
0: so? Okay, I was looking online. I
1: think, I think um, it might be half of that. I think something happened where like they got deleted and then <laughs> re-uploaded <laughs> twice in like a weird way, but. I'm kind of, you know, we're not the most, we're not as slick as it comes there, but they're up. So the good thing is that if you have trouble finding them, you can find them
0: twice or maybe even three <laughs> twice times. Twice is nice. Yeah. Uh, but a thousand, uh, you know, a thousand listens is not uh, insignificant for each episode and, and seemingly worth it because I want to come back to the the reason why. And the idea that I think you can steal from Gene here is having those conversations with your audience uh, over email, over Facebook, and even on the podcast, making them the heroes. Uh, and it also is aligned here because people are consuming this media on the run. What an interesting vertical to say, hey, here's a whole uh, time during the day where entertainment uh, has a niche, and uh, it seems like you are you know meeting a need there.
1: Thank you. And another thing that we're thinking about in the podcast realm is – this whole idea that you don't need to be sitting on your couch to be entertained. So we want to, you know, encourage people to, instead of after dinner, you know, sitting down and watching Netflix to put in a podcast and go for a walk. And I can only do so many podcasts, especially because I have to record mine live. Like I can't use Skype or anything like that. Like I actually have to go to a place and meet the person to record it. Um, So we want to be promoting other podcasts too that we think people will like. So kind of becoming more of a, known for having interesting podcasts that have to do with, you know, fitness and philanthropy and challenging yourself and mm-hmm. even entertainment, like fun podcasts um, that people just might like to listen to and get them off the couch to go for a walk.
0: Can I listen to your podcast through your app? Have you integrated that?
1: No. I mean, we have the podcast in the app, but when you click it, it just takes you out to the app store, which is fine. Like, we don't need to have a podcast player in the app. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which is something right. I learned from you <laughs> back in the day. Like, tried, told me not to like cram too many features into w- just one app. The app should do one thing and do it well, and then let the podcast players do what they do well.
0: Um, well, you uh, you've done very well in creating two uh, again types of products that i recommend nine times out of ten people not never to, to do. do never do these things okay um, maybe this is a perfect time for a pro versus con game um, mm-hmm. we can either do it should you create an app or not or should you create a podcast or not um, which sounds more fun to you
1: i think we should do the podcast one because there is no pro to the app one like you <laughs> definitely should not make an app I don't know which one of us would take the pro to that, and I'm certainly not equipped to do it.
0: (laughs) Cool. All righty. So here's the framing. Uh, Should your organization, we're saying, uh, you know, mid sized nonprofit um, has an audience of, you know, probably, let's just say like 50,000 people coming to the site a month. Um, Should they create a podcast? You're going to go with, you can take either side. Do you want for or against? Yes or no?
1: Well, I'll take pro. I don't know what the against would be, so I'm interested to hear your against, but I'll say pro.
0: All right. Would you like to go first or second, sir? i
1: like to go second. I'm a counterpuncher.
0: Yeah, that's always what you have to do in a debate. To start off, I have to say our nonprofit operating on average uh, has you know only about 15 people in it, and to that end, I don't know. Who's got time for that? I hear podcasts take time, and it seems like uh, we're already working full tilt. What do you say to that?
1: It don't really take that much time. I mean, you can do it with a lot of time. I think you probably have a pretty sweet setup there, from what I can tell, as far as like fancy podcast equipment. I just have a little handheld mic that I got for like 100 bucks. I take it with me, go for a walk with someone, and we talk like we're friends on a walk or a run talking, and... Then I upload it, and that's it. It doesn't really take that much time.
0: I feel like right now it's all about brand and image and polish. And so, you know, frankly, our executives and our board just don't tolerate and can't tolerate anything going out that isn't at the highest quality. So while it might be fine to, to, you know, run around with a microphone, uh, we know that we have to have a higher level of polish, and it'll probably cost a couple hundred dollars an episode, and we're not sure that's worth it.
1: Yeah, you could definitely get the polish for a couple hundred dollars an episode. If I would say that it's worth it. I mean, we just started uh, getting that polish. Like I said, we got like a little intro music and that kind of thing. Um, but you don't really need the polish. I don't know how to be more sophisticated than that. Obviously, I'm not that sophisticated.
0: <laughs> With regard to downloads, uh, I feel like there are, you know hundreds of millions of people listening to podcasts out there but they're not necessarily going to find mine so even after i create it i'm going to have to market the heck out of it in order to to build up this audience and even some of the most popular nonprofit podcasts seem to be only around you know hundreds of downloads for episodes while there's 50,000 people coming to my site why don't i just create more content on my website
1: That's the best part about it, is that the podcast is for those couple hundred people that really, really care. And so the fact that you get to kind of have a deep, in-depth conversation with someone with a couple hundred of those people that really care, those are going to become your organization's best supporters. Totally worth the investment. If the investment's only a couple hundred dollars an episode, if it's a couple thousand an episode, it's totally worth it. I mean, you literally get to like whisper inside somebody's ear for an hour. Or you know, have a conversation like you're going on a walk with them or sitting over a cup of coffee with them. It's not to me, it's not about the masses and getting hundreds of thousands of people to listen to it and becoming the next Tim Ferris. It's really like who are those few hundred or few thousand people that love what you do so much, and how can you do more for them and have a more of a relationship with them?
0: All right, I'll let you uh, I'll let you have that last point. It's a good <laughs> point. Um, you know. Mile wide versus mile deep, and uh, saying it, uh, mm-hmm. those are uh, those are good comments. I, I think you may have eked ahead on that one, but now I'm terrified because I feel like a bunch of people are going to run out and create podcasts, and they shouldn't create podcasts. <laughs> well,
1: it depends. You know, it depends on what their podcast is about, and you know, maybe they only have like ten people that listen to it, but that's it. That's all they need. And the other thing I would say as just another point about the podcast is as an added benefit like you could call somebody and be like you know somebody who's like really big in your field like whatever it is like I can call like a, someone really big in the running space like Mebka Flesky or Des Linden who just won the Boston Marathon last year I could call her and be like hey Des would you like to go out and have some coffee with me and just chat and she'd be like no what what are you talking about I don't even know you like, actually, her sister is the cover girl on our website. But even still, like, she'd be like, no, I'm busy. Like, I've, I'm not going to go out and like meet with a random stranger. But if you call someone, and you're like, hey, we've got a podcast. Would you like to be on our podcast? You know, better, much better they are going to say yes. And now you have the opportunity to sit down for an hour and learn from somebody who's just incredibly accomplished, who can teach you and your your constituents some really interesting things. And it's kind of just like this really great great way to to create that opportunity.
0: Gene, that's such a good point because that, for me, is what tips the scale. If you're using the podcast as a way and a means to get access to those thought leaders, uh, to those organizations, uh, to those sources of, frankly, information and expertise, uh, that changes the equation, right? If you're able to sit down with that, you know, uh, head philanthropist from wherever have a have a meeting that they wouldn't have otherwise given you. Uh, if you're able to sit down with uh, the thought leader in you know your field, like what is the the value of that? And and plus, you know, at that point you're just hey, I just wanted to talk to my buddy Gene. I just have to be recording it right now. How's right. it going, buddy?
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Can't get access to this guy. All right. <laughs> um.
1: So that, I think podcasts are a total win.
0: Moving into the rapid-fire round, please keep your responses uh, brief. Are you ready, Gene? I am ready. What is one tech tool or website that you've started using in the last year that has helped you change the game?
1: I started using the thing on my iPhone that tells me, like, my screen time, like, and how much of my screen time is spent doing different things, and it's dramatically helped me reduce the amount of time that I'm spending on things like Facebook and Instagram which really have almost no value to what I do in a day.
0: What tech issues are you battling with?
1: That's not something for 30 seconds. Um, Well, my website went down yesterday, (laughs) (laughs) which yours is only about. So I'm trying to figure out how to reduce the CPU usage that it's apparently using and making it go down. And I don't even know what that means, so I'm going to have to figure that one out too.
0: What is coming in the next year that has you the most excited?
1: Uh, Also a much bigger than 30-second question, but we are totally changing our model and bringing in two sources of unlimited revenue that is going to help us just scale our impact for our charities, build things like an Apple Watch app and a Fitbit app and a Garmin app, which everybody wants us to have, and onboard many, many, many more charities.
0: Talk about a mistake that you made earlier in your career that shapes the way you do things today.
1: So before Charity Models, as George knows, I built another app that was called Postcard Petitions that enabled you to create and send postcards to your congressman as an advocacy tool. And George gave me some really good advice that I didn't follow, uh, which is that it shouldn't be an app. It should just be a website. Um, and then he also gave me some other advice that I didn't follow, which is that I shouldn't do the other thing I did, which was enable you to create and send real postcards to your friends because it should just do one thing and do it really well. And so kind of as like a mantra for me with charity miles, even though we did go the app route, um, really keeping it as simple as possible. And even though we get requests every day for different features that do this, that, and the other thing, um, really just thinking very hard before we add any new and confusing features to the app.
0: Do you believe that nonprofits can successfully go out of business?
1: Some of them can. If they solve the problem that they set out to solve, uh, some of them can't. You know, another, A good example of that is an organization that I know both you and I care about, the Michael J. Fox Foundation. Um, back when I started to get involved with them in the early 2000s, kind of the mantra was that, we would have Parkinson's disease cured in 10 years, that we knew what to do, all we needed is money to do it. And I think that we've all just learned that Parkinson's disease is a lot more complicated than that. And so, um, you know, I don't think that the, that organization or any of the other Parkinson's organizations are close to going out of business, but there certainly are organizations that could solve a problem, that are working on a, a more immediately solvable problem that could go out of business.
0: All right. You jump in the hot tub time machine back to that initial conversation where you're sharing your idea with me about Charity Miles. What advice would you give yourself at that meeting?
1: Listen to George. (laughs) (laughs) Listen Uh, to George.
0: To push you a little bit more, you've started the company. You're a year in. What advice do you give that gene?
1: I would just say that it's going to be a much – to get ready for a much longer road than than you think. Um, I thought that I had all the answers figured out, and I still don't have them figured out.
0: What is something you think you should stop doing?
1: I don't know. Um, there's a lot of things I should stop doing, but I'm having a hard time. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is Facebook. Um, I'm totally over that. And Instagram and I've actually kind of but the thing I like about it is that's where our community there, there's so many people in our community there and I've really stopped using Facebook mostly for social purposes and really just love seeing all the things that our members post on that. Um, we have this amazing private Facebook group and people are sharing incredible stuff and on Instagram and I like open it up just to see, you know, reply to a few people and then I'm like down the rabbit hole and it it ends up taking up a lot more time than I thought it would. So I'm really trying to figure out how to continue being able to have that connection with our community, but not being so tied and easily sucked into the rabbit hole of Facebook and Instagram.
0: If you had a Harry Potter magical wand to wave across the social impact space, what would it do?
1: I wish that they would think a little bit more like the, the people that I've met in the startup and VC world that really just think about growth and reaching as many people as they can. I don't know why, but, you know, as in, for one example, um, you know, if you're in like the startup space, you know, the idea that you would dedicate yourself to reaching a few thousand people is anathema. Like you're trying to reach millions of people, you know, you want millions of people to download your app your Angry Birds app, your whatever it is. And for some reason, a lot of the charities that I work with are like talking to thousands of people. And I don't know why. Like, for example, with Parkinson's, again, there's like a million people who have Parkinson's disease, but there's only a few thousand people on Team Fox. I don't know why everybody who's affected by Parkinson's disease and their families aren't on Team Fox. And I wish that we could figure out a way to think about you know, how we scale our organizations in the way that the kind of the startups and the the V C backed startups think about scaling their organizations.
0: How did you get started in the social good world?
1: Uh, I was in law school and I started running marathons to raise money for Parkinson's in honor of my grandfather who had Parkinson's and he was on the board of the Parkinson's Disease Foundation. So that's who I I started to raise money for them. And I wanted to, um, I started to see these other teams, like Team for Cancer and Team for MS at the different races I was doing, and thought we should have a team for Parkinson's. And so I asked the Parkinson's Disease Foundation if they wanted to do that, and they said no. And then I met uh, one of my grandfather's friends introduced me to Debbie Brooks, who was a co-founder of the Michael J. Fox Foundation. And I kind of asked her about starting a team for Parkinson's. And she was kind of thought about the idea, but she also needed some legal work done to get their new office lease done. And I had started working at a firm in the city. So I started doing pro bono legal work for the foundation. And over the course of a year or so, they started Team Fox. And I was one of the founding members of that. And that was kind of how I started to get involved in the social impact space.
0: What advice would you give current college grads looking to enter the social
1: impact sector? Two things. One, I would say, is have a very broad view of what you mean by social impact sector. Um, I think you could go work for Apple and consider yourself in the social impact spe- sector. I think you could go work for Goldman Sachs and consider yourself in the social impact spe- sector. Um, I think you can go work for the Michael J. Fox Foundation or another charity and consider yourself in the social impact sector. So I would just say have a very broad view of what you mean mean by social impact um find something that truly interests you and then get involved like volunteer with an organization just to see what you think about if that's right for you
0: and the final hardball coming at you is how do people find you how do people help you gene
1: uh charity miles go to our website if it's up and running um, <laughs> we're on all the social media channels if I'm checking them at Charity Miles and download the app you can just go to the app store and type in Charity Miles download it and our podcast if you type in Charity Miles you'll find it it's called The Extra Mile by Charity Miles there's actually another Extra Mile podcast out there um, which is also a very good podcast if you want to listen to that one too it's like <laughs> Galloway um, but ours is the yellow one with the Charity Miles logo on it
0: Gene, thank you for uh, creating this amazing community that is continuing to raise money for so many important causes and sharing your knowledge with us today. Thank you, George. Well, that was predictably enjoyable. I uh, really love talking with Gene and his mentality about growing the app, the community, and you know the the metrics focus over time. Uh, while paying attention to your audience and retention. We uh, left the mic on afterward because Gene kind of teased us with uh, features he was working on, and they're really great features. So uh, here is that section of our conversation for you now. What's going on with uh, you get some extra some funding sources or or avenues that you're opening up for the app?
1: Yeah, so the big challenge that we have, and you know, kind of the background is that we're limited we have a limited amount of money to give away
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and i have not yet found a sponsor willing to write me a blank check so in order to you know we have over two thousand charities that are on our waiting list and we can't add them because we don't have enough money to support them our users you know the things that our members want are you know, basically the use case that everybody wants is to go out for a walk with their Fitbit or run with their Garmin, look down at their watch and see that they've earned some money um, without having to start the app, without having to remember to finish the app and all that kind of stuff. So we are thinking about that and bringing into the equation different sources of revenue that are not just our sponsors so that one, we can have more unlimited money to support more charities. And two, so that we can make that use case of you going out for a walk with your, your watch and looking down at your watch possible. Um, and so the two sources are programmatic advertising and peer-to-peer fundraising. So on the programmatic advertising, we've built like a pedometer in the app. And if you just open the app and you check your steps, we call an ad exchange. And if there's an ad available, you have the option for whether or not to engage with it. And if you engage with it, you earn five cents for your charity. And if you don't, then you don't earn the five cents. Um, so the more you check your steps, the more five cent you know bonuses you earn. And then we're building in like different exercises where you can do like a workout of, you know, like let's say you wanna do an ab workout or something. We'll give you a series of ab exercises never ending in random order 30 seconds each and in between each one we'll call an ad exchange and if there's an ad available we'll play an ad and you can rest and lovingly watch the ad if you want or you can keep exercising through the ad and ignore it and i don't care because it's not my sponsor um so just like keep exercising through the ads and turn them into money for charity and if you do a 10 minute workout you can earn a good amount of money if you do an hour workout you really earn a lot of money
0: Wow. I feel like there's like an ab for ads or okay. ads for ads for abs, yep. kind of game you can do here.
1: Yeah. So that's kind of the idea is like creating a game. Like the more you work out, the fitter you're going to get. And the more of these stupid ads are going to turn into money for charity. And it's totally unlimited. So because these ad exchanges are
0: unlimited. Would you be OK if I shared this piece or is this sort of like under the under the curtain? No, you can share I mean, on the podcast. Or yeah, you, or is that too public no, for you? No, that's fine. All right. Are we still recording? Oh, I always record, just in case. <laughs> just in case someone says something awesome. This in is the, really fascinating. Yeah. This is exciting. This is exciting. Oh, yeah, we'll do it. Uh, this will be in the... Uh, the. In the blooper reel? The bloopers. Um, perfect. All right, uh, buddy. Um, yeah, everything then, else good? Yeah,
1: everything else is good. And the second piece, which I'll just tell you, is the peer-to-peer fundraising. We're creating something where... You'll have every member of charity miles will have their own pledge page and you can send that to your friends and they can pledge to sponsor you. So they won't actually enter their credit card information or anything, but they'll say, I sponsored George 10 cents a mile. The more pledges you get, the more your miles are worth. And then all you do is you go out and you walk and you look down at your watch or your Fitbit and you see how far you've gone and how much money you've earned because every mile you've done, every mile you do is worth however many cents you've gotten in pledges. And then, then when,
0: do you have to chase your friend down <laughs> in their credit it, card?
1: Well, when you reach your goal, like whatever your goal is that you set, we'll send an automated email out to all of your supporters to say, okay, here's where you donate. And then they donate on your Team Fox page or whatever page you have set up with your charity. So we don't process those donations. Um, but it goes directly to your charity.
0: Cool, man. Great, uh, you know great features that are doubling down on what's working and, you know, tapping into that just massive pool of ad money that, you know, floats around the internet.
1: We're trying. That's what we're trying.
0: This has been using the whole whale for more resources on today's show. Please visit wholewhalecom slash podcast and consider following us on Twitter at whole whale. And thanks for joining us.